Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high performing individuals tick, why they do what they do and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons and learnings. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, episode number 82. Today we spoke to JJ Dunn, gym owner, coach and competitor in powerlifting and bodybuilding. JJ is not your average personal trainer. The owner of Asylum Gym in Dublin, he coaches people looking for real results that are not afraid to be pushed ridiculously hard. He trains powerlifters, strongmen, bodybuilders and field athletes and brings them all up to a very high level if they really want it bad enough. He still competes himself, although COVID-19 has made it difficult, with competitions delayed and cancelled. He is hoping to compete in Malta this month. We talk all things training, from recovery to the importance of diet and understanding nutrition. JJ sheds light on the best techniques for training and how he reframes from adversity and setbacks. High performance is what you're willing to put in. This was recorded pre-lockdown when times were different, but training philosophies were not. Thanks, JJ. Welcome to Sleepy Perform Repeat. We're joined in studio by JJ Dunn. I'll pass you over to David to introduce you. Very grateful for JJ coming in today. Um, JJ has a very successful background in powerlifting and bodybuilding. He's an owner of Asylum Gym just around the corner from us in Glasnevin in Dublin. And he's also a very successful coach, which is something he's doing more of with each and passing day with a lot of successful athletes, weightlifters, in his gym. So we're really looking forward to hearing what high performance means to JJ and shedding light on his story. JJ, tell us a little bit about what's going on in your life at the moment and, and what are you doing these days? Just a correction, you said weightlifter. We don't have weightlifters. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, it's just powerlifting and bodybuilding. Mainly that's what we do in the gym. A lot of keep fit with CrossFit in the gym as well. It's kind of a separate area. We don't get involved in that. But mainly at the minute, we're just kind of focused there's one or two bodybuilders there. Like last year, we had great success in bodybuilding. We had two natural bodybuilders, a male and female, and they both placed in the top five in the world. The fellow was fifth, and the guy was second. That was outstanding. It was really, really good. It was a pleasure to coach them. It was great achievement on, on both of their behalf. But to see them go, you know, from just being national champions to up against the best in the world and going on stage and holding their own, and the girl was actually very, very unlucky. If we had an Irish judge, she probably would have won. The fact that there was like five American judges and two British judges, and the girl that beat her was British, <laughs> it didn't look well. Still for her. And you're still competing and training pretty hard yourself, yeah? Well, yeah, we competed last year in Russia, in Moscow. It was probably the worst competition I've ever had. I was coaching, I'd been coaching for two or three days beforehand. Then I lifted on the second last day and I was just wore out. I took sleeping tablets the night before and I just never woke up. <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> but that's like I've gone away to world championships and I've always placed and this one I didn't. So a couple of came to it. So wasn't happy at all. And how long have you been how long have you been competing at that sort of level? Twenty years. Kind of travelling all around the world competing, powerlifting. Powerlifting? Powerlifting all around the world. Body Gone to the European Championships in bodybuilding, but well, that's kind of only every second I told you. But powerlifting would be every 
every extreme four times a year. So would you kind of identify yourself more as a powerlifter than a bodybuilder? Or you are a hybrid, but... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'd be a powerlifter first, bodybuilder second. I wouldn't, you know, I could be a good bodybuilder if I could do it, but I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty difficult. What's the biggest challenge bodybuilders face going into competition? Is it dieting? Is it rest and recovery? Is it training? What do you think? For me, and training people, it's diets. Diets. Everybody can train hard. If they're, if they're there to bodybuild, they know they're going to be training hard and you can push them. And when they get to the stage where they're going on stage, it's the diet that, that will finish them off. It will kill them or make, it break them, make them or break them. Yeah. And you've seen it with people that don't really train that hard, but they can do it. They'll always beat someone that can train hard. And no amount of supplements or anything that can beat a diet. So if you can do it, you can you would be good. The self discipline is out the window, you know, it's there's no comparison. If you if you can do what you're told and eat what you're told to eat and don't eat and stuff like that. Even that girl that was second in the world last year, Diane, my biggest problem with her was getting her to eat. Okay. Because she wanted to be lean, lean, lean. And trying to get her to hold on to muscle size and stuff like that. So that was really difficult. So it kind of works both ways. You know, some people can't eat and some people don't want to eat. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's a mixture of one half, six and one half dozen of years. <laughs> and to just kind of make it practically relevant for the listeners, JJ walks into the cafe downstairs here today and I say, JJ, <laughs> would you like coffee? Would you like some soup? Would you like something to eat? And he said, no, I'm dieting. I'm on my rice cakes. <laughs> so just that kind of puts it into a little bit of reality. But just tell us a little bit about what you're doing in terms of diet and food at the moment. So kind of make it really real for the listeners here. Well, we do to start off on a diet is, is weigh a person. And the amount of food will depend on whatever weight they are, whether they need to put on weight or whether they need to cut weight. So it's kind of, there's a formula that we use. And if they need to go up, we'll add more. If they need to lose, we'll cut the food. But it's not just say, eat one rice cake less or whatever. You have to weigh them every week and check their body fat and stuff like that. Some people can lose weight but not lose body fat. So they're losing muscle. So it's kind of, it's important that you get, they get the right amount of food to feed the muscles and the bone fat at the same time. So it's tough. Now you're giving that advice to obviously competitors at the highest level and you're obviously using that advice yourself that you have true experience has anyone kind of guided you with these principles and given you this information with regards to diet foundations of training over the years or has it always been self-taught? It's hit and miss. It's not self-taught. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's different. So, you know, I find people that will respond really, really quick to diets and to nutrition and, you know, some people are will respond really, really quick to high-fat diets and other people will respond quicker to an evenly balanced diet and stuff like that. So it's trial and error with everybody. You know, uh, I still haven't found, for me, I think a keto diet is probably the best one, but in saying that, like, it's it works really, really quick, but it's probably, I haven't tried it long enough to make sure that it, it would sustain you for the bodybuilding. But I'm going to do it this time. It'll be in night week keto diet, so it's gonna. I wouldn't put. I wouldn't do it myself. I wouldn't put anybody on for more than four or six weeks. Six weeks would be the maximum, but I'm gonna push it to eight weeks this time. 
and it'll be a clean keto diet. Most keto diets are plenty of fat. Doesn't really matter if the fat is good or bad. You know, you can be frying bacon in butter and making scrambled eggs with butter and stuff like that. But I'm gonna cut the butter out. You know, make shakes with avocados and nuts and stuff like that. So I'll clean up the keto diet and hopefully that'll work. What do you think is the importance of cleaning it up? Like, what were the bad fats? How would they get rid of? I don't really know because I haven't done it. Yeah. I've never really got anybody ready for a competition. Like I've done a bodybuilding competition last year and I done keto, but it was because I was lifting in the Olympia in Las Vegas. I needed to lose weight, so I done keto for that because keto works for losing weight. Yeah. And then I was weighing in, and girlfriend was with me, and she wouldn't know the difference between bodybuilding and powerlifting. And she says, "I thought you said you were lifting," and I says, "I am." And she says, "You're really lean." <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were doing a bodybuilding <laughs> show, and then kind of. Three weeks away, there was a bodybuilding show. I said, Roy, that's unheard of. Like, to get ready for a bodybuilding show, like, probably with a month's delay, is unheard of. And I'd done it, and I came second. Like, and the fellow that beat me was really good. The fellow I beat was over from America, so. That's the nature of the hybrid, isn't it? Yeah. Nice <laughs> <laughs> you can give it a go. So, tell us a bit about Las Vegas and going out there and competing in these things. Like, you see documentaries on it and stuff, but what's it like to live in it? What's it like to be there? It wasn't nice. Wasn't nice. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it, no, no, it wasn't nice. It's, it's kind of too commercial. It's you go and you're you're doing, so you don't have any headspace. You can't look at stuff. You can't you can't do anything. You're just there you for can, purpose. Yeah. yeah, you can walk around and admire stuff, but that's it. Yeah. And then there's somebody with you, like, and they want to go and eat out, or they want to do this, or they want to do that. And even then, when you get weighed in and you need to carb up, and they don't understand that. You know, you have to sit down and relax and just eat all day. You don't want to be walking, you don't want to be doing anything else. You know, even to go from your bedroom down to the restaurant in the hotel, like it's probably a half a mile walk. It's too far. Yeah. You know, you need the food with you in the room and just lie on the bed and put your feet up. And it's unfair then on you to have somebody else with you and expect them to do what you're doing. Yeah. So it was tough. So with that the cutting for competitions, what do you find the hardest aspect? Is it that limiting your activity? Or is it actually like balancing, maybe making the calculations of what you need to eat and what you need to cut? No, the calculations are easy because that's just a formula you just stick to it and that's, you don't have a choice. Yeah. But being around people is the hardest part. Yeah. You know, if you're in the gym and you get the same stupid people asking you the same stupid questions day in and day out. Don't look at me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> You're on a diet, right? And the last thing you want to do is talk about a diet, talk about food. And every second person will come off to you, how's your diet going? Yeah. And I wear t-shirts telling them where to go. Have you seen them? <laughs> I haven't had to have to keep an eye on for the t-shirts. You'll see them, they'll be coming out sure. And then, oh, that's a lovely t-shirt. Where'd you get that t-shirt? <laughs> what does it say? Read it. <laughs> I'm now acutely aware that you're coming in dieting and we're asking you about your diet. No, no, it's not. It's only going to start, so it's not, it's not bad. Like, it must take such tremendous discipline. What's, what's, what's the why behind it? Like, in order, what do you want to do? You just want to be the best that you can best be physically? What's the kind of real driving force behind really putting yourself through six weeks of that sort of diet, which is hard? I've never done a six-week diet. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't. So probably the most I've gone without cheating probably would be ten or twelve days, and that's not good enough. And I know when I go on stage and I stand on stage with European Championships and I got sixth, and I'm looking around and say I can beat this. 
if I can nail the doya, I can beat them. But trying to doya is it's just it's to answer your question is because I know I can be better. And it's not to be better than anybody else, but it's just I know I can be better than what I was or what I've done. And are you better are you better now than you might have been ten years ago? You know, you're you're a little older, but you probably know more or have learned more. What has changed maybe in terms of discipline, training, what you're doing from now as opposed to JJ training 10 or 12 years ago? Yeah, well, with experience, like you, you, you pick up a lot of stuff that doesn't work and I'll try everything, I'll try anything. I'm not afraid to give anything a go. And you will find stuff that works and stuff that doesn't work. And the longer, you, the longer you're at it, the better you become. And like I would say like from the first time I stepped on stage to the last time I stepped on stage, it's probably a difference of about 15 years and I'd say every time I step on stage, I'm better than I was the time before. Hmm. But that's hard to do when you're 57 years of age. Like, it's it's not easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the muscles should be falling away, and it's not. We had a, a Russian girl, like, years and years, a little girl, doing, she had a body fat calculator. And my body fat was coming down, and the muscle was going up. And she threw the machine away because it was broken because that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> that machine isn't working. That is not this impossible. I said, it's not impossible. I said, that's what, that's what happens. And she thought, no, 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 it can't happen. This is not possible. They didn't teach me this. <laughs> and threw the machine away. <laughs> let's let's so, flip it a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about powerlifting. Yeah, I've been doing it for a while. Yeah. Pretty grueling, pretty tough. Talk to us a little bit about experience. You know, you're the, you're the guy doing it. What what's it what's it like competing at powerlifting? What does it really involve to be good at it? Strength really is the main thing. And I don't think if you don't come from a strength background, but it's not in the family or whatever, I don't think you're ever going to make it as a powerlifter. I don't think you can take someone that doesn't come from a strong background and make them strong. We can go to the gym and do this and do that, but you know when you, you see people squatting where we were you know, last year, the Russian girl that we trained at the minute, Lena, she was in Limerick and it was her first professional competition that she done, and she a really really light squat. She took it out. She wasn't something was off, and she squatted down and she's at the bottom and she can't get up. And squatters go to catch her and she shouts. You know they knew not to touch her, but she got up. No, it's it's hard. I think really that you're not going to let a piece of wire beat you. Mm. Really, that's what it comes down to. And there's people out there that are built for powerlifting with short limbs and stuff like that, long backs and short limbs. They'll make good powerlifters, but then they kind of like I've really long arms. I'm a really good deadlifter. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I can squat the same as I can deadlift. And I've probably the skinniest legs in the room. So now, <laughs> that's a lie anyway. <laughs> for, for people that don't know about powerlifting, just give us a little bit about what it involves in terms of the lifts and give us a bit, some numbers as to what you do just to contextualise it. So at your level versus if Kiwan and myself went to the gym and tried to do the same sort of lifts as you. My best lifts would be 290 kilo squat. 82 kilos 
Okay, so 290 kilos squat and you're weighing 82 kilos. I'm just going to re-emphasize that. <laughs> Everybody at home can do the math. Okay, so... Best deadlift is 282 at 82 kilos. 282 deadlifting, okay. And bench press with a short is 182. They're all at 82 kilos. All at 82 kilos. And deadlift is 320 in a strongman competition, but the bar wasn't off the ground. It was raised about probably three or four inches. And they use straps, pullers, you know, yeah. pullers, you know. Yeah. I was pulling with the pullers all the way up to the heavyweight, and then I couldn't shift the heavyweight, so I took the pullers off and lifted it. Everybody's looking at it, something's not right. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> of the three of them, of those three primaries, which, which one gives you the most energy, or which, which do you kind of prefer and kind of get hyped up the most for? Squat. Squat, yeah. Yeah, without them. Why? I can't, I don't know. It's probably when it's finished, you, you hate doing it when you're doing it, but you look forward to doing it. That makes no sense. <laughs> but when it's over, like you can't sit down, and you, oh, you know, go to is when I'm at home because there's a windowsill on one side and a bat on the other side, and it's easy to get up. <laughs> you know, that's the hardest part. If you sit down on my chairs are low in, in the sitting room, the, the sofa is low, and if I sit down, I'll end up lying down <laughs> and then to get up I have to roll onto the floor <laughs> onto my knees <laughs> and use the sofa then to get up yeah. and it's kind of a common occurrence and even last night like I was sitting on the sofa and I needed to get up and I have to roll onto my side onto the kneel onto the floor and stand up from there you can't get off you can't get off the chair but you still I'd squat every day of the week if I could I got on hamstrings today with the end and I squatted on Saturday and I'm still sore. And for people that don't know much about training, for people that are a little bit more inexperienced, when you're squatting, it's it's back squatting, right? But in order to get, say, strong at back squatting, would you advocate that, you know, it's important to do split squats, front squats, overhead squats, all different variations, or if you want to get just strong at squatting, you should just be back squatting all the time? If for powerlifting. I don't know if you've seen us back squatting where your, your feet are kind of a, a little bit wider than, than normally would be. Most people would squat to build their quads. And even the two guys that I've got in the last couple of months to coach, like the two of them would have all records in squatting. And I'm trying to teach them a different way of squatting. And they're like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But I know they can squat more by using every muscle in the body. They just use their quads to squat. Mm. But, I have their, their feet as well, I want them pushing their bums back, so they're using their back more. And it's gonna, it, it's hard to teach, so when we're teaching it, we use a box, put a box behind them. Mm. They sit back on the box, they rock on the box and then come up. And That's one that says JJ's box in it, I presume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody touched that box, especially when, he has, when he's wearing the t-shirt. <laughs> no, but it, it, it's... It's very, very good. And even the little Asian guy we were talking about, Hazel, like she started last week or so, first week squatting with her legs, her, her feet out, and she's just natural. You know, we've, I've been trying to get her to squat, and she said, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not move, I won't move. And then last week we got her. So when we, basically when we're squatting, we kind of explain it to them that it's like building a house. If your knee is going out over your toes, your knee is moving, you're losing strength. If you can keep your knee over your heel, push your bum back to the bottom of your leg doesn't move. You have a good, strong base to start from. And 
just push, keep pushing your mum back. Don't worry about your depth. The weight will push you down. And then when you're coming up, every muscle, hamstrings, quads, abductors, glutes, everything in your back is working. I hear a lot of coaches telling people like, you know, took your elbows, pull your elbows down, or you wouldn't have any interest in elbows. Or, mm. So as, as long as they're pushing their back, the chest is up high, mm. everything else will just fun. They've got such such vast experience from people that you've worked with, obviously, and helped and trained, but also yourself. If somebody walks into your gym, say we're going to say, Kiran, you walk in, JJ's going to look after you and train you. What's that experience like? What do you what do you kind of look for in order to maybe start him start him with you? What does that all involve walking into your gym? It, it depends on what he's looking for. If he, if he wants to be a powerlifter, if he wants to be a bodybuilder or whatever, it's kind of... He needs heart, really. That's what I would look for. A couple of people have come to me and said they want to go on stage and they want to do this. And I says, okay, we'll do a session. If you get, if you come back for a second session, I'll train you. They haven't come back. <laughs> <laughs> there's a vetting process, isn't it? No, but it, it, it's really, really simple because there's nothing more frustration than, than frustrating than giving someone six months of your time and then they pull out a competition. How many people would you have under your coaching umbrella at a time? Not a lot, probably three or four, okay. five. Yeah. That, that's all. And I wouldn't do more than that because you're you, you don't have the time. You don't really have the time to be doing it, and it's it's hard work. You know, you can get two two girls trying together, and they kind of they rub off each other. You know, one says one lift, and then I'm going to do better than that. And they were saying to me last night, don't be trying to pair it off. I said, I'm not, you're doing that yourselves. So there isn't really a lot of room. Like I'm coaching a strongman, I did two girls and then two bodybuilders and that's it. What, what's the mindset like for you going from training mode, I'm competing, I have a comp coming up, this is about JJ's diet and my training schedule, but then you, you maybe have to switch and I have to, I have to help one of... I have to help this girl lift and, and be stronger and improve her technique and work on her squat. How that must be difficult, the mindset switch from going. No, it's very, very simple and you have to keep it simple because that's what I keep talking about. People that have heart, if they have heart, I'll train them all day long, whether I'm dieting or I'm not dieting. And people that kinda you have to drag them, they're gone. We just drop them. When you come up to the competition, I'll tell them, look, there is a few people that I you know, do PTs with and stuff like that, but I'll say to them when the time is going to come and I'm getting ready for a competition that we won't be training together. And you, you can do your own thing and I'll show you, I'll keep an eye on you and you'll hear me shouting. Like the, the, the bodybuilder that came fifth in, in, in the world, I don't actually train him, I help him. I can, you know, do diet and body fat and stuff like that with him and he just will not train. You know, if he could train, he'd be a world champion. He's very, very good at diet, and that just carries him through. But like, all day long, I'm just shouting at him, stop talking, stop talking, get off your phone, stop talking. Yeah. So, there's no mindset, it's just black and white. There's, last year I was getting ready for a competition, the girl Diane was going to the World Championships in bodybuilding, and I trained her, and I think I trained a strongman, and that was it. Mm. And then when, when I'm training, then I couldn't have... If they're not interested in training, I can't have them around me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing worse than you're squatting and you're doing 200 kilos for 10 or 15 reps. 
and the people behind you are talking about EastEnders or Love Island or whatever. And you're, you're trying to squat and they don't give a shit about you. You know, when if someone is squatting and I'm training and I'm standing over them, you know, if anything goes wrong, I'll get hurt before they get hurt. You know, I'll catch the bar in a, in a heartbeat. Where I know if I'm squatting and something goes wrong, I'm on my own. Yeah. So you can't have, you can't take them chances. Talk to us about what you've done maybe when you've been in an instance when something hasn't quite gone to plan. You know, you've faced a setback. <laughs> <laughs> you face setback, adversity, you've placed second when you know in your head. I should be the man on top. What do, you, what do you do to reframe and come back from that? What does JJ do? It depends. A lot of times, like, you'll, you'll come second and, you know, you, don't, you, did, you didn't deserve any better than that. And then there's times when you know you could have done better. So it's kind of, I don't go back to the drawing board or anything like that. I know what lets me down. And it's still, when it comes to anything, it's still, you know, if you're powerlifting and, Nine times out of ten when you're powerlifting, you'll have a good day or you'll have a bad day. There's nothing you can do about that. Some, some days are going to be good and some days are going to be bad. And hopefully, you don't, like, oh, you're a bad one in Russia, but it's, it was well over due. It's the first bad day I've had lifting in a competition in probably 20 years. So. It's good. Good track record, Kieran. <laughs> it's decent, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of, that's because, you know, coming up, I wouldn't deadlift heavy for two weeks before a competition. I'd squat heavy. 90% a week out and then I'd bench press again 85, 90% about five, four or five days out from the competition and I stuck with that from the beginning and that was the coach Bill Healy I remember going back oh, 20-30 years ago when he was coaching me and he's still lifting now but he, he coached me and that's the way he, he told me to do it and I just stuck with it from that just going back to when you mentioned you'd squat every day if you could, but you can't. Yeah. And we spoke off air a little bit about recovery. Yeah. What's the, the biggest downfall with people in recovery at the moment? Is not getting enough of it, doing the wrong type of thing? Overtraining. Overtraining. Yeah, it's not it's not recovery like they when they should be at home resting after doing a hard session, they're in trying to go again. Yeah. How do you coach that in someone who's because it can be difficult when you're preparing, because you want the training to be better. Well, tell them. Yeah, the teacher tells you. Relax, listen to Yoda here. Well, it's simple. It, yeah. it, it is that simple. And like the Russian girl, Lena, is a perfect example of it. Like, she has all the medical tests under the sun and she's looking at them and she can't understand how certain things are up and certain things are down. And it's just due to stress. And when she, come, when she was coming to the gym and I wasn't coaching her, I'd help her, but I wasn't coaching her. She had a, one of the best coaches in the world from Russia. And she was just overtraining every second day. They were coming in and doing the three movements. They were squatting, deadlifting, and bench pressing like to the max every day. Then she goes to competition and lifts the same way in the in the competition that they do in training. Doesn't make any sense. You know, when I go to a competition, I'd be looking to lift about twenty percent more than I would in the gym. Yeah, it's a lot. So it is a lot. That's what you're looking for. Talk to us a little bit about um, warm ups. Because we've come across, we've had a couple of people on this that have their different styles of warm-ups. We've spoken to someone who worked in boxing, who has a specific sort of warm-up for boxers. So you're going into powerlifting and you're doing, and it's a squat-based session. Is your warm-up focused predominantly on doing squatting patterning prior to squatting, a simple activation, or, or what's involved in a warm-up prep session? I used to warm up all the joints. 
basically that was what I warm up. And then I've done a stretching session with you. Yeah. And I've seen the benefits of what would you what's the word you used? Mobility. No, no. For waking the muscles up. Activation. Activation. Yeah. Just small little bands and you know, stepping up on blocks and stuff like this and I can remember we were doing the bit you were saying to me to kick back and I kinda of got it better if I kicked to the side. Yeah. So I do entwine the two of them now between warming up joints like my knees are old. <laughs> <laughs> so if if they're, if they're not warmed up, yeah. I can't score. So basically warm up the knees, you know, just kinda not not through stretching but really, really light weights and stuff like that and circular motion you know just standing free you know kind of free squats but in a circular motion so by priming your system your muscular system your neural system by getting you activated by mobility and, and simple exercises do you find it helps with maybe having less knee pain or do you find actually you can lift more no it, it would set you up in the beginning that you have no knee pain and once you don't have knee pain you go to lift more you are going to go on and lift more He's not a bad physio, is he? <laughs> I did not slip him a tenor prior to the session to say all these things. If Dan or Rob or any of these guys are listening. David and Kieran are qualified physios. <laughs> find our Instagram now. What do you like most about about training? It's, I've been doing it that long. It, it's, I don't know, it releases endorphins. I don't know. It's it just, you feel a thousand times better after you train. You know, if I don't train and I'm having days where I'm just walking in the gym and doing doing whatever I'm doing, whether it's moving stuff or training people, doing PTs, whatever. You just go home and you're tired. You know, if I have a good session, heavy, heavy session where you could lift up to, I don't know, 10, 15 tons in a session, and then you go home and you're out walking the dogs on the beach and stuff, you're not tired. You might be sore and you might be stiff, but you're not tired. Yeah. So I kind of, I don't know, the fresh blood being pumped around the body or whatever getting blood into your head. Yeah, absolutely. Help, helps a lot. And like, you, you do feel great after it. Now, uh, we have a crystal ball. We just placed it in front of you. Let's <laughs> <laughs> use imagination. <laughs> Ronnie Coleman, Arnie, all these guys trained in a certain way yeah. a couple of years ago. You're training in a certain way. We're training in a certain way. There's loads of things from a, from a tech perspective that's come into training. People use all these gadgets and all this stuff that's supposed to help with lifting and recovery and for you for today and even moving forward what's the most important thing for training in whatever discipline it could be for bodybuilding powerlifting me training for to be a better basketball player what does does it really just come down to the the simple stuff for you the simple stuff yeah it's having the heart and wanting to train that's it we, we have a boxer that I was doing strength and conditioning for her girl. And she won intermediates, Irish intermediates last year. And she went on the, she went to European Championships in, in Russia. And while she was training, her coach went to her and said, how are you getting on? And she says, that's a piece of piss. And she, he says, what? She's, she's training with JJ, she says. competition. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a disaster, she said. Like, and she's on the Olympic team for boxing yeah. and these people have been paid thousands of pounds and you know she says she feels tired oh sit down are you a bit red in the face sit down are you dehydrated and they're giving her water that's not training 
Yeah, but every time she's trained in the gym and she's won the race, she's, she's fought and she's won. And every time she goes away with your first team, she gets beaten. So there's something in there that's not right. Absolutely. Now, this girl is not a very skillful boxer. She's a great fighter. And the fighting never lets it down. She will fight, you know, she, if she gets knocked out, she'll get back up and she'll keep fighting. But it, it, it's just uh, whatever way they, whatever they instill in her head, it, it just doesn't sit right with her. She, she's, you know, maybe that's what I keep saying, everybody is different. And she, if she knows that she's training hard, she knows she's ready. Or if they take her away to an Olympic village or whatever, an Olympic camp, and she trains, and it, she's not pushing herself, she knows she's not ready. Let's roll forward 20 to 25 years from now. You're still around, you're still training, you're still inspiring. What would you like people to look at and say, you know, JJ is really good at that. I, JJ would really help me with that. How would you like to look back on that curve, having helped and created so much impact? What would you like people to remember all that for? That's, I don't think anybody that would have trained with me would look back with pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it's, it's tough and it's hard. You know, and then the people that want to train hard, I'm kind of holding them back. And the people that don't want to train, I'm killing them. There's no one in between. <laughs> no, there's, there's, but it, there is very, very few people that are in between. Like, and all, all the best that I've come across, you're holding them back. And then let them go on the day. You know, like, the, the, the bodybuilder was second in the world. And just holding her back. And I seen her on Facebook one day. <laughs> and she, fastest cardio is killing me. I'm like, yeah, who told you to do faster cardio? <laughs> Like I was after telling her 20 times, no, no cardio, no cardio. And then she puts up, oh, this last cardio is killing me. You know, Facebook is brilliant. <laughs> I, I don't have to do any, I just go Coach. in there. I just go and have a look. What are you doing that for? Yeah, yeah. And that's not what I say. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they will never, like one day I was, the guy I was talking about, Martin, he was fifth in the world, she was second. They're doing whatever they're doing, I get called downstairs. And I told Leanne what to do. And I go down the stairs and I hear her talking. And I just remember the way the stairs where you could look in, you could just your eyes were over the floor and you could just look in and see the whole floor. So I stood there for five minutes and I came back. And she never moved. And I helped you get on. And she said to me, Oh, I, I done that. I done the three sets. And I says, Okay, let's go. And she says, Well, we're we not finished. And I said, No, we're going to do three sets now. We're going to do them all together. We're not stopping. And the tears were rolling down her face. And she said, You're just being mean. And I says, I'm not being mean. You're a lawyer. <laughs> Don't tell me, but it made her, like it made her what she is. You know, she, she wasn't anything then. And, and she goes to be second in the world because she knows she's going to try and make like that, what she has to do. But she's well capable of doing it. There's thousands and thousands, you see competitors all the time that rely on drugs and take bad advice from coaches. And because I'll roar and shout at them and I'll course at them and I'll do whatever it takes, if it's in there, I'll get it out. Basically, that's what it boils down to. Anybody that's trying with me won't look back on it with pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I'm not, I'm not being, I don't mean that in a bad way. Like the, You're trying to get the best out of them. It, it's for them, but they, they'll see it in 10 or 15 years' time. But yeah. don't see it now. It's quite a story you've shared there, JJ. And you, you know, you're, you've, you've touched a lot of people. You've, you're creating so much impact. You're competing in Barcelona, coaching a couple of individuals, really helping them lift their games in the gym. This podcast is called Sleepy Perform Repeat. 
we've really much hit on those keystones throughout very much embodying what high performance is. We always finish with that question. I think it's fair to ask you now, what does high performance mean to you, JJ? Jesus. Again, wanting it. And it, it, it's not high performance, it's just giving what you can give. If you, if you give your all, like it, it doesn't matter who I'm trying, and if they give their all, we'll stay with them. And we'll make them the best that they can be. It's not about you know being high performance or you'll see athletes doing this, athletes can afford this and afford that. But that doesn't make a difference. I train people that are charged and I train people that I don't charge. You know, if someone comes to me and they're good and they can afford to pay, they'll pay. If someone comes and they can't afford to pay, they don't pay. So high performance is what you put in, what you're willing to put in. And what you get out of it would be what you put in. That's high performance. I love it. <laughs> yeah. JJ, Don, yeah. thank you very much for coming in today. Myself and Kieran Don, the namesake. Um, very grateful for your time and, and really telling some really interesting stories that you've, you've lived through and you're still a part of. Wishing you all the best moving forward. Stay fit, stay healthy and uh, keep doing your, your activation and your mobility. Hope it looks after your knees. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, a story of high performance. This was brought to you by Howora, a whole person wellbeing company founded and run from Dublin, Ireland. Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt H-A-U-O-R-A life.com. Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan. <laughs>